Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting startup founders share their stories and strategies. They also deliver tangible lessons learned along the way that you can apply to your own startup. Each episode is a true masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups. And my guest today is Mickey Kennedy. Mickey, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Oh, thanks for having me. I uh, already told Mickey, I said he wins the award of 250 episodes of having the coolest glasses, the coolest specs of any guest we've ever had. So we give him the Warby Parker Award and uh, looking forward to the to the chat today, Mickey. But if you and I met at, at like a networking event, how would you introduce yourself to me? Well, um, I am a uh, poet, um, family man, um, middle-aged, and uh, really passionate about helping small businesses, entrepreneurs, and startups uh, through my company, E-Releases. Now, E-Releases does what? Uh, we distribute press releases. Um, we have a relationship with PR Newswire so that all of our releases go out uh, through a custom national distribution with them. Normally, if you went directly to PR Newswire, you'd be paying over $1,000 for a 500-word press release to go out nationally. And through us, um, you can do it for between $300 and $500, uh, even as low as $269 with a new customer special. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to very early in this episode show my ignorance. So I'm going to defer to our expert who's on the other side of the camera here. But so tell me, when I think of press releases, I think of really two scenarios. Number one, I'm launching a business or I'm maybe launching a new product, you know, or a new service is I know there's, there's much broader, you know, use case for that, but what is the, what are the primary utilization cases for press releases? Right. So people do them for lots of different milestones of a company. Um, it could be a major partnership, <clears throat> could be a launch of a new product or upgrade of a new product. Um, even sometimes just a new feature could be important right. enough that you'd want to communicate it to your industry so that people would know that that, you know, uh, feature is now available. Um, but there's lots of other different things you can do. Um, you can actually, you know, do top 10 predictions. You can talk about, uh, uh, you know, things that are going on in your industry, um, like certain trends, especially if you're willing to be a contrarian on certain uh, mm -hmm. trends, because they generally like to cover those because so few people are speaking against what's so popular. Right. Um, there's uh, uh, doing a survey or study in your industry that works really well. If, if anyone's ever really frustrated with press releases and they're finding that it's not working for them, I always suggest that you do a survey or study. Um, it's pretty straightforward. You create a link in Google Forms or SurveyMonkey. My preference is SurveyMonkey because you can do multi-pages. Mm -hmm. And that way, if someone abandons halfway through, you've still got half of their um, results oh, yeah. that you can utilize. And uh, you can just take that link and share it with your audience. If you don't have a ready-made audience to send it to, you can partner with like a local or independent um, trade association. The smaller and independent trade associations generally don't get a lot of love. So if you just approach them and said, hey, I've got this survey that's uh, in our industry and I would love for you to send it out to your members, I will include you uh, in the press release that we'll be issuing out over the wire. A lot of them just feel like that's a win-win for them for simply just you know putting it in front of their members. Uh, they'll get an inclusion possibly in a story or uh, definitely at least within the press release. So they see that as a, a real advantage. And then you, you know, you just 
take the results, um, analyze them, um, talk about the most surprising or interesting numbers that you get, put together a story and a press release. Um, I do recommend having a page on your website that has all of the data uh, that you collected during the survey. So sometimes uh, a journalist might be able to flesh out a story that was a question that you didn't really mention the results in mm -hmm. your press release, because uh, you want the press release to be sort of focused on what the high level things are. Um, but I, I find that those work really well. Um, generally, people get between um, I think the fewest I've seen is four articles on average is between eight and 14 articles from a, um, a survey press release that you do. And we're talking about unique individual uh, articles written from the ground up. We're not talking about the press release just syndicated or duplicated on someone's right. website. We're actually right. talking about a journalist actually wrote a story using the press release as um, sort of, you know, the idea, the what what should be focused on. Of course, they might focus on different elements, but you know, uh, the the real goal is to get that earned media and uh, create an opportunity for people to discover you and learn about you. That that is much. See, I I told you, I said I'm going to defer to the to the brains on the other side of the camera here. So that's much more comprehensive than I think we just normally think of in, in terms of you know we hear press release. You know, it's like. You know the pre the wire it comes across the wire and it's you know we got a new product that that's it that's kind of the end end of release but it's interesting I mean I've yet to meet anybody that just woke up one morning and said hey I'm going to write press releases for a, for a living so walk us through your kind of your journey how do you how did you arrive at this I'm I'm picturing you in in junior high or high school thinking you know I wrote a report this is kind of cool I kind of like writing I kind of like reading. You know, I'm going to work for a little local newspaper for three bucks an hour you know, for, and work right. 80 hours a week type thing until I, I can make it big, you know, but um, what is your story? So uh, about 25 years ago, I graduated with an MFA in creative writing with an emphasis in poetry. I assumed I would just wait tables the rest of my life and write poetry in the evenings. <laughs> and uh, I my did wife this... was a newspaper reporter, too, so yeah, she, she feels your pain. <laughs> Sorry. So I did that for part of a summer and realized that it was physically taxing to stand on your feet for like a eight to 10 hour shift and the concrete floors. And I just wasn't built for that. And I also found that at the end of the day, I was just so mentally exhausted that I couldn't even read more or less write anything. So I, I said, I need a cushy office job. So I got a job at a telecom startup uh, they published telecom research statistics. And uh, I was employee number three. Uh, they said, hey, you're the writer. That's your background. You're going to write press releases and send them Not out. Not a media. writer, the writer. Right. I was, <laughs> I was the writer in the office. So uh, I worked on press releases, sent those out to the media. Um, we did really well because we were publishing statistics no one else had. So uh, I was got really good at trying to define what the story is based on our data and get that in front of the media. And we got pickup all over the place, Financial Times, The Economist, hmm. um, you know, uh, Wall the Street Journal, yeah. Washington Post. Yeah, we did. And uh, so I, I found it very exciting, uh, but we were also doing faxing at the time. And we started to get a lot more journalists saying, hey, there's, there's a lot of numbers here. Is there a way you could just email me this release or that data in um, Microsoft Word and just send it through email? And I mentioned to my boss that email seemed like a natural progression. And he said, hey, there might be a business there. So I took about a year 
uh, while working there um, in the evenings and my spare time, uh, just contacting journalists and asking them if I could email them press releases. And that's how e-releases launched. We just basically had a database of 10,000 journalists and based on their beat and what they covered, we would send them uh, press releases and we didn't charge very much. And over time, uh, when PR Newswire approached us, I, you know, they, they were like, you should also include our distribution. And it just didn't make sense because they were charging so much. And, uh, you know, they were saying, hey, you can give a 25% discount for you. And I was like, but still, my clients can't afford to spend $1,000. And so they looked at my customer base. They realized that their salespeople are never going to reach out to them because they're looking for people that are doing, you know, 10 to 20 releases a year mm. and, and feel very comfortable saying, hey, this one might need to go out globally. Let's do a global $15,000, $20,000 distribution right. for this one. Right. So um, uh, we, we, we crafted it to be a win-win. Um, most of our releases by default are scheduled for next business day. Um, they have editorial overnight that has to be there in case there's breaking news or a recall or they have to get something to Asia. Uh, so uh, they don't, they're not very active. So they work on our releases overnight. So it really doesn't cost them any additional labor. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, it, it is a win-win and they're a great partner and uh, they've really made it possible for people to reach, uh, you know, a newswire, which disseminates your stuff wild, widely and gets it out there to a lot of different places. Doesn't mean that it's going to necessarily result in articles. Uh, you have to sort of either have luck or newsworthiness on your side. So I always tell people, if you're gonna spend the effort on a PR campaign, make sure you apply strategy to it because strategy is the most important part. Uh, try to reverse engineer your message for the journalist who's a gatekeeper. What would make that story so irresistible that journalist would wanna share it with his audience? And if you can sort of you know, um, work that formula, you can easily get media pickup uh, time and time again. I, I have a feeling that you, you've done this a while now, so you kind of have built those distribution channels up too and those connections in, in the industry that you can like, you know, you just send them, you know, you, you, have, you, know, you know where you're going to distribute, you know, the content that you're producing. But um, is there any overlap at all with, with a, like a source like, like help a reporter out like Caro or do you ever engage in that space as well? Or is that a I different service? I don't. I used to recommend it because it was a, a resource uh, where a journalist uh, puts what story they're working on and they're looking for experts or people that they could interview to get quotes or flesh out a story. Um, the, the downside of it is very few journalists have the time to put together a presentation of what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. They're usually just busy and they're just trying to find someone real quick. They go to the uh, press release uh, newswire and do a search on an industry or a topic they're working on, and then just start contacting the companies that are mentioned there and asking yeah. for quotes. That, that's something they can do in a few minutes rather than here, I have to spend 20 minutes prepping what I want and then send it and then sit back and wait while people, uh, you know, uh, contact you. The, yeah. Another downside is that maybe not. Yeah. Right. <laughs> maybe just sits there. Yeah. Right. Another thing that's happened is that with help a reporter out, it's so wild, wildly available that I hear people saying that uh, they talked to a journalist and they got 50 or 60 responses. So, mm -hmm. you, you know, your, your, your odds are 
if you're all on equal footing, you're one of 60 chances right. to get a story where if you are putting out something that's newsworthy, you're the only one right now with that hook or that angle. Mm -hmm. And if the journalist finds it compelling, then you, you know, you win and you'll get an article written. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. I'm, I'm thinking of your, your client base. Um, is there a learning curve to like, even to, to explain the service to, to the a business to explain the value proposition. Right. So yeah, our staff, we're just editors and we walk people through the process every day uh, on their first release. Um, we do try to make it uh, pretty straightforward. We have press release samples on our website that you can look at, uh, industry specific ones, some topic specific ones, and use those as a guide for the formatting of the release and what the release should look like. But generally they're written in the third person. There's no real magic to it. The most important element being the headline and the opening paragraph, because you know that's what's gonna get a journalist to skim your story uh, or dig deeper. And uh, it, it is something that I think that almost anyone can write a press release. They're, they're, they're not elevated art or anything like that, but to really put the strong effort into really trying to uh, reverse engineer your way so that a journalist will want to share your story. And, you know, anything that involves data and numbers, journalists tend to love because, you know, they can build a story on that. Um, you know, researching your industry for blind spots, the types of things that maybe you talk at trade shows with other people about, but you never see in your trade publications. It's like, this is a hot button topic whenever I'm with someone else, but we never see it in the trade publications. That could be an opportunity to bring that to light. And, uh, um, you know, there's, there's so many different ways to sort of tackle a newsworthy press release. And it really is just saying, what is it right now that you're doing or thinking about that is, is unique and how can I sort of package that uh, to get it out there to the media? So, you know, in business terms, I'm thinking, is this a, is this a B2B play or is this a B2C play? Is this a, is, are you, are you always having to utilize the distribution channels of other providers like outlets, like news outlets or, do you have your own? I mean, are, could this be, I mean, do you write press releases that are also direct to consumer that are, you know, do you have your own outlets, uh, right. distribution outlets or whatever? We, we don't send directed to consumers. I mean, consumers could see it in Google news and things like that. If they cover certain industries for keywords and stuff like that, because the press releases do end up there, but predominantly this is going out to publications. Um, and you know, it could be, if you're in the B2B market, it could be trade publications, trade websites, uh, you know, people who write specifically about your industry, you know, even maybe within newspapers, uh, if you're, you know, writing, if you have a product like this for consumers, like you're, you just, are doing a Kickstarter or something like that, uh, then you know you're looking more for newspapers, general interest type publications, magazines, and things like that. Um, and, and so, a service like ours gets you to the right people because you know our media database is uh, and, and the Newswire's database is all encompassing, all different types of uh, publications, magazines, newspapers, uh, even bloggers and uh, social media influencers. There's a lot of people on Instagram that are very influential, for example, in the fashion industry. Yeah. So they make yeah. sure that they are, uh, press releases are available to them as well. And so I mean, you, you're, you kind of des described a little bit the, the pricing structure and if is, does that include like all distribution channels or is it, is there a tiered, 
you know, pricing level that says, okay, for the three to $400 range or whatever you get 10 outlets for, you know, for a thousand, you get all the outlets we have. We'll send it virtually out like to right. everybody and their grandma type thing. So, so all of our levels go out uh, nationally over the wire. Um, our highest end product also goes to uh, an email list. Uh, it's a, a specific uh, custom micro list based on the topic or industry. You right. get to select that by, uh, we have, a, I think we have a, almost 200 of those that you mm -hmm. can choose from. And uh, the, the big difference between the lower end and the, the mid tier is the word count. Um, the mm -hmm. Newswire does charge extra for words uh, starting at 400 words and up. The the reasoning for it was it used to be like a teletype system where yeah. it was an effort to send it. Right. And they've just never relaxed that because what they found is when they do relax it, the word count explodes and we're doing, they feel like it's a disservice to the journalists who are trying to skim and have a concise press release. So the, the word count still keeps people being mindful of the amount that they're, uh, they're sending through uh, and penalizing those who just are too wordy. I think what's driving that maybe is the is the creator is getting paid by the by the word and so they're, so I'm gonna write an 800 word you know release versus a 400 word release so it's it is yeah it, it that is such an interesting uh, it, because it's it's it is the latest iteration of a a pretty old industry you know I mean journalism has been around for a very long time and you know at some level and just like releases within the press have been around for a long time you're you're just kind of trying to bring this into the 21st century you know the and the distribution channels and really leveraging that and and just the speed just the response time you know that you can you can you can get the word out for you know new product releases or or virtually anything like you said a survey but so walk us through the kind of the iteration or the the growth of e-releases when was that started it was started, um, it'll be 24 years in October. Um, so it was October 98, uh, 1998 when we launched. And it was just me and a, a dream. And uh, uh, at the time, uh, there wasn't really pay-per-click marketing. Um, so it was all natural SEO. And I, I was really involved in uh, forums, um, the biggest one, I think, at the time was uh, Link Exchange, uh, which had a really active forum. And I would just talk to people and answer their questions about public relations and press releases and PR. And that sort of helped you know, me get discovered. Uh, over time, when paid advertising started to become predominant and uh, you know, search engine uh, pay-per-click, uh, I started utilizing that. And I just sort of grew over time. I, I did reach a point where I, I felt comfortable bringing staff on. Mm -hmm. I was very hesitant because once you bring them on, you worry about the next month having a decline <laughs> and you can't make payroll or something. Exactly. Uh, but, uh, you know, today we have uh, six editors, uh, one managing editor, um, uh, like three support staff as well. So um, it, there's, it's, it's, it's still a small business, but it, it's definitely a, a larger business and has grown and refined over the years. Is it remote? Are you are you there all working locally there, or how, how's your? So the, the the six editors and managing editor come to the office in um, Baltimore County, Maryland. Um, right now, they're about two days 
two to three days a week they're coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, but they have the option if they want to work from home, they can. Uh, we do have one employee who uh, is uh, in Pennsylvania and she commutes with her husband uh, who works in Baltimore. So, uh, you know, she'll come in um, a few days as well. But I, I see us uh, in the future considering remote mm -hmm. because it's a, a, a better way of getting maybe more talented staff yeah. um, who, you know, may not be in the local um, market that, that I'm in. Uh, the problem is, it's just training. How do you solve the training issue remotely? It's, it's one of the things that we have to uh, think through and, and work out because so much of it right now is just shadowing mm -hmm. another editor and seeing how they work and uh, what they're doing and what their workflow is and, you know, uh, walking them through that. And that's harder. It's not impossible, but it is harder to do remotely. So how many on a just quantitatively, how many releases do you think you all generate, say, a month? So we do on average uh, over a thousand. Um, recently, I think we did like, you know, 1400 um, a month. So that, that's kind of, you know, anywhere from a thousand to 1400 seems to be like our natural uh, amount that we've been doing uh, of late. And uh, we generally... Uh, we do offer a writing service, but most people don't do it. And if you look at a release, you see how simplistic they are uh, written. A lot of people don't feel like they need, need to, and you really don't spend the extra money and time working on strategy rather than the, mm -hmm. the actual writing of the release. Uh, but that being said, if, if you're just, it's too overwhelming for you, then certainly, you know, use, use a writer uh, or hire someone to, to write your release to get it out there. Um, so you're generating that kind of volume with six people. Yes. Wow. That's, that is, uh, you are, you are, that is a volume service. I mean, much more so than I, I would have, I would have guessed. And I think you, you mentioned on another episode or another interview that you were, had done about, you know, you were almost lamenting that, that, uh, we were getting away from kind of the, was it, I think you mentioned the AP style guide or whatever that, right. you know, the, the whole idea that, you know, it doesn't matter. Capitalization doesn't seem to matter much. You can bold things. You can, right. you know, just the whole idea. And you said, you said, I, you know, there was almost a little lament in your voice. They're like, you know, I, I kind of wish we still had some standards here because, you know, I, I came from the school. I, I worked my way up in the school of, you know, high standards and, and professionalism right. here, you know, this is, this is not a tweet. You know, right. But the, but the advantage of, of them relaxing that is, I think that uh, people who make mistakes in a release are less likely to be penalized for it. If you just make a, a you know, uh, an article mistake, or the verb doesn't exactly agree properly, things like that, that might have tripped you up in the past probably won't going forward. Again, the journalist is just looking for the foundation of something that they can turn into a good article or story. And so th they're much more willing to overlook little mistakes here and there. That being said, you know, we at, uh, at e-releases, we do review the releases as they come in and we do try to catch anything that's a glaring error or obvious error. We do miss them still occasionally. Uh, and the newswire checks as well. So uh, it's like two levels of, of, right. of editorial that, that, that happens. Um, but, you know, but that being said, I like that people don't have to fixate and worry about AP perfection because uh, at the end of the day, is this something that the media can turn into a good article for their audience? And if so, that's what matters. And that, and that should be like, you know, first and foremost. Yeah. It's at the end of the day, it's not the final product. It's, 
it's kind of a means to an end to the final product and and uh, like, like a foundational piece. But I, the purest in me, I mean, I came from a family of educators. The purest in me is like, you know, there, there's still that kind of the fingernails on the chalkboard cringe when you see, you know, subject verb not agreeing and right. things like that. So there's, there is that little bit of uh, <laughs> what pedantic nature, I think, that sure. we may all have latently. But I, let me let me do a little little segue here. This is this is one of my favorite parts of our of our chats is the whole idea when I, I talk to people that have that have successfully founded companies and you know it's kind of their baby you know they they have raised it from you know babyhood to adulthood especially you know 24 years I mean that's amazing you know to have a run rate like that but if if that just went away tomorrow what would you do if you got up tomorrow and and wanted to kind of restart or had it thinking through maybe an industry that you have an interest in or whatever, what would, what would you do to restart your entrepreneurial journey? I think that I would probably work in marketing. Uh, I do the marketing for my business um, and I really like it. I like looking at the numbers. I like crafting um, uh, hy hypothesis for a, a B split test and mm -hmm. then determining what, what, you know, what tweaks we can make to, you know, grow the conversion rate. So I think that that would probably be where I would move in. I do have a lot uh, to, you know, of, of PR and uh, public relations experience. So, uh, you know, maybe something that would also allow for that as well. But I think that my, my real strength uh, is, is definitely the marketing side of things. And I mean, specifically like related to copy or you, you really are more on the analytical side, would you think? I think it's, I'm a little more on the analytical side, but that being said, I, I, I am really good at crafting lots of different creative, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's, and it's can be visual as well. Like we do a lot of, uh, um, uh, visual ads on, uh, Google for, uh, websites and, uh, just reaching people and, I, I'm pretty good at sort of testing. This looks like an, a really strange arresting image. And here's the headline I would use to make it applicable and let's test it. And, um, you know, sometimes I can really drive uh, the click-through rate really high, but the conversion rate is low. So then you have to go back and tinker because mm -hmm. you're looking for a balance between click-through right. rate and conversions. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely. And it is an art. It is because I mean, there's a lot of uh, I think there's a lot of charlatans out there in, the, in that space and a lot of wannabes, but uh, the ones that do it really, really well, it is truly an art. But this is uh, this kind of steps into the, 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 the one of the closing stages of our of our chats here. And this is the idea of, you know, I really want to kind of pick the brain and the heart of the entrepreneur and say, OK, speak to your younger self, speak to people that are, that are a little further behind you in the journey, you know, just one or two kind of quick hit bullet point lessons that you've learned over, you know, the time of running your own business that you think are, are salient for somebody or germane for somebody that, that is, you know, behind you that it's kind of industry agnostic, but just the whole idea of here's one or two things that I really wish I would have known. Right. You know, earlier in the process that I think would be really helpful. Right. I think for me, uh, I, I waited too long to bring on staff. Mm. And as I was bringing them on, 
it, I was already so super stressed that now I had the stress of training and it, it did not go very well. And when I hired one person, I really probably should have hired two at the time because I just waited too long. And it was very difficult to, to bring people on board and to train them and to get them up and running. I just wish I had done it earlier. Um, I was just too conservative about, I, I, you know, I really wanted to have enough profit that I could afford three people thinking mm. that if there was a downturn, yeah. I, you know, it would be okay. There never was a downturn. It, the business just continued to grow. And so uh, I was really, you know, like I said, very stressed and it became more stressful doing that. The second big thing is I, I wished I had learned earlier to trust my staff. Um, I was a micromanager uh, of my staff and they tended to leave after one to two years mm -hmm. at most. And uh, I, I brought in a friend who was an HR consultant for big companies. She offered to do it for me to evaluate what my problem was because she said, you come to these marketing masterminds with me and you're always complaining about your staff. And she goes, we got to figure it out. And she came back and said, Mickey, you're the problem. The customer wow. surveys are the, uh, that your staff is great. Um, they're doing their job. Uh, the business is growing. You're not losing sales as a result of them. No one's going to have a conversation the same way you're going to have a conversation on the phone or an email. And you just got to quit, you know, standing behind them and telling them what they should be doing. And so like in April of 2015, I walked away from my office and said, I'm going to work from home now. And, uh, you know, I've got people that when I left that are still there, uh, you know, that's, that's been uh, quite a few years. And so most of the people now have been there for many, many years, and we just don't have the turnover that we had before. And so I wasn't a good boss. And I wish I had learned that before, because I probably cycled out a lot of good people mm. by just being a, a, a bad boss. Mm. That I mean, that's so hard to see, though. It's like, you know, can't see the forest for the trees, you know, so to speak, when you're, sure. when you're that intimately involved with something and it's it is your it is like a child you know it's it's you have a vested deep interest in in you know whatever that you created there so uh, those are man, those are great great uh, insights and and uh really a, a great way to wrap up our our chat today is is there anything that i haven't asked you about that you just want to kind of close this out with and then tell people the best place to find you and your service online Right. So um, I, I know I've, I've mentioned it a few times, but I would just say anybody who's considering press releases, spend a little time on strategy. Uh, I have a free class on uh, building a PR campaign uh, that's focused on the uh, foundation of strategy, and it's less than an hour um, long. So it's very approachable. And if you just take this audit, I guarantee that anybody would come up with probably six to 10 good ideas that they could do strategic newsworthy press releases for them and their business. And that can be found at ereleases.com forward slash plan P L A N. And uh, also if anyone visits ereleases.com, feel free to uh, look at our social media in the lower right. Uh, it's my LinkedIn. If anyone wants to connect, that's the best way of getting a hold of me. But feel free to also uh, chat on the website or call the office. Uh, you'll only speak to editors. There's no sales quotas. There's no commissions or anything like that. We really are in the business of helping you. And if we feel like we can't help you, all my employees are empowered to say that as well. Well, Mickey, thank you again for just taking time to kind of share your story and, and such great insights. I mean, you know, garnered over over 24 years of kind of hard graft and and, uh, you know, it's it's interesting that 
I don't know I've ever had anybody say that, that especially that had run a company over a very long period of time, say there was no downturn in 24 years. I mean, that, that's yeah. a pretty amazing upward right hockey stick for, you know, trajectory that you, you have seen, you know, over the course of 24 years. And um, I mean, what a testimony that you, you can talk about being a bad leader, but you, there were some good things that you were doing evidently sure. in that Obviously. process to, to create that and, and uh, timing and, and all the things that go into that. But Mickey, thank you again for just playing your part and helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Have a great my, weekend. My pleasure. Thank you. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.